1: You're listening to CLNS Media, powered by BetOnline.ag. Go to clnsmedia.com slash roll. Use our promo code CLNS50 for 50% off
0: your first deposit. This is June 11th, and this is the Ruins Beat on CLNS Media. Welcome back to the Bruins Beat on CLNS Media. I'm your host, Evan Marinovsky, here for another week of podcasting to your ears, to your listening ears uh, about the Bruins. And this is obviously a very fun time. This podcast is being dropped the day before Game seven of the Stanley Cup final. There are no better two words in sports than game seven. The cliches are thrown out like crazy. It's a fun time right now. Obviously, the Bruins are coming off a game six win in St. Louis on Sunday night. This is dropping Tuesday morning. So, uh... It's pretty electric around here. The thoughts of a possible Stanley Cup championship being won on Wednesday night. It's 50-50 because, you know, I don't know if you guys knew this, but the Bruins are playing this other team called the Blues. And the Blues might also win this. They could win the Stanley Cup over the Bruins. We we don't know yet, even though St. Louis thinks they already won the Stanley Cup. That's neither here nor there. Um, But on today's episode... I had on DJ Bean. Love DJ. I've actually never met him until we did this podcast together. I just texted him out of the blue, and he was very nice enough to come on and say yes to me. And I thought it went really well. Uh, we talked like we'd known each other forever before, um, and we dove into every possible Bruins topic from – shaming the two Rask haters, to shaming the Carson Coleman haters, to shaming the St. Louis Post-Dispatch, to talking legacies, which is going to be something you're going to hear about a lot within the next couple weeks, whether the Bruins win or lose, we dove into every single possible thing. And without further ado, here's my interview with DJ Bean. And we're here with DJ Bean. DJ, what is up? Everything. Everything. Everything is
1: outrageous. Everything is crazy. It's all happening.
0: Are you excited about uh, what, what's going to be taking place on Wednesday night?
1: Yes. Actually, I was. Uh, this is my confidence in the Lightning. I had a little trip planned that I was supposed to leave for on Wednesday because there was no way the Bruins were going to make the Stanley Cup final because even though they were one of the three best teams in the league. The Lightning, we're going to beat them in the second round, so I felt very confident months ago booking a flight for Wednesday that has now been rescheduled.
0: It's funny, I actually relate to you, because the weekend, last weekend, not this past weekend, but the weekend before last, I had a trip with 60 people planned to Montreal uh, to go for a nice weekend away, like, just enjoy it. And the Bruins were the cup, and I was like, I can't do that. I can't, I can't leave this. Because honestly, just like you, I, uh, had every intention that the Lightning would be the team, uh, left here in the playoffs, But I've had to reschedule everything. I have, And I, I don't want to sound like a, a weirdo, but I feel like I've had no life for the past two months because of this Bruins Cup. Well, that's how it
1: always was. I mean, when I was, uh, first, uh, when I was covering the Bruins back in the day, my first few years, I mean, my first year was 2010, 11. They went to the cup. Uh, then they went to, they, I mean, they made the playoffs next year and lost in the first round, but year after that, they're in the cup final again. So I just, I was just always used to once spring hits, it's just all hockey all the time. And then when they started missing the playoffs, I would just, I was still used to like never going out and never doing anything around that time. So I would just stay home and watch hockey all the time. And I was like, oh wait, I could actually go out and have a life if I wanted to.
0: Yeah, when did you stop covering the Bruins? Like on a permanent basis? Uh 20 after the
1: uh shoot, after the 2015 16 season, I think. Uh I was going back. I was going to again for so let's see. I I haven't in either of the last two full years maybe. So uh yeah, something like that. I I I'm I'm, I'm terrible with time. But um yeah, it was uh it was the year that they uh missed the playoffs, Don Sweeney's first year uh after buying at the trade deadline when they got John Michael Lyles and, uh they got John Michael Lyles <laughs> and Lisa and- Tapniak. Yeah. That was my that was my last year on the beat. And then I was going back, I was going to I was still at EI spent that uh postseason there or off season there. Was going to go back for another year, and then I got the job at uh, what is now called NBC Sports Boston. So I left there during training camp, and honestly, by the time by the time I left, like I I loved being a beat writer and I loved covering the Bruins, but by the time I left, I remember I was uh, it was the Bruins' first year in their new practice facility. I was standing in there, and like there weren't any players available. And it was just kind of like a very ho-hum, kind of non-eventful day in the life of a beat writer. And I was like, well, whatever I do next will be interesting. But, uh like, as, as I look around here and I'm not really getting much accomplished right now, it's not the worst thing in the world to not do this all the time.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, it's like you jumped ship right after they missed the playoffs two, two straight years. You're like, screw this, I'm out.
1: Well, just like, and being a beat writer was changing. My first year on the beat, I would like literally, and I was a nobody because my first year on the beat, I was right out of college. If I wanted to talk to Mark Reckie one-on-one, I would just go up to a media relations person and be like, hi, Mark Reckie's not out here. Could I please have him talk to him one-on-one? And they'd be like, oh yeah, of course. And within a minute, Mark Reckie would be out and talk to me for whatever I needed. And then, uh, then he'd go back and continue on with his day now. And I haven't really, I haven't, like, actually covered the Bruins. I went to media day, but that doesn't really count. I haven't been, like, in uh, the dressing room and doing, like, the like a proper coverage day of them in forever. But as the years went on, it just became less and less and less. Getting a player one-on-one was uh, very difficult. And if you got them one-on-one, it would immediately turn into a scrum because somebody would crash it. And oh. then there would be, like, two or three people available the whole time, and it just got so much worse. And that's not... Um, an indictment of the Bruins and their media relations, certainly not. It's an indictment of just how sports coverage is becoming. Everybody does things on the internet. The actual in person coverage isn't uh taken as seriously by anybody, which is a shame. So it was getting it was getting uh less and less fruitful to be a, a beat writer. Like if the, the times where you would go to work, come back, and be like, hey, I did something that only I could do or few and far between just because the access.
0: Yeah, no. Um, I know what you mean with the one-on-ones. It's, it's, uh, I'm not even in there every day. I mean, I'm off, I'm off at college, but it's just yeah, absolutely insane. And it's not even
1: to say that, like, I constantly needed one-on-ones or that everybody should always get players one-on-one, but if there's only, like, three or four players available an entire uh, media availability – Everybody's gonna have the same quotes, everybody's gonna do the exact same thing, and it waters down, like, the product that a lot of talented people, a lot of good beat writers who've been doing it forever could do. Like, if, if everyone is available, and if, if it just weren't the way things are right now, then you'd be reading much better stuff in the, 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 the papers, online, everything. Just, uh, it's a lot tougher to be great at that job now because it's very easy to be okay at it because you can just go show up and get the same exact stuff as everybody else because not much is being given to you. So that's why the people who are, like, really good at it stand out, like the the Flutos of the world, the like Steve Conroy, Joe McDonald. Let's go back, on. baby. Yeah, Boston's uh, super lucky that that, like, a lot of the best hockey writers happen to be in Boston.
0: Yeah, they're the guys to look up to. Um, but let's dive right into some Bruins stuff. Uh, it was fun talking, you know, some, some advice career, uh, career wise there. But, you know, before game six, I was sort of thinking to myself, well, DJ is going to be on the podcast on Monday and I could really old takes expose him for a tweet he had on June sixth. Hell yeah. Uh, but now, now that obviously the Bruins have, have won, they're going to game seven. You tweeted on June sixth, you know, the Bruins are going to win the cup, right? And I remember seeing that and thinking, man, imagine if they didn't. That would be that sucks. So,
1: so I've tweeted that after every game this postseason. Uh, I know you that, tweeted it last. night Yeah, that that that's just been a stupid. Uh, it just started in the first round because uh, I so don't take the Leafs seriously that after they lost game one, I tweeted like, you know, they're gonna win. You know, like, you know, the Bruins are gonna win this series, right? And uh, I continue to do that because I like upsetting uh, Toronto sports fans. And then just it became clear, like, once they once they got through that first round, and this has been, like, my biggest overall take this postseason, it's not that, like, the goal is that the Bruins win the Stanley Cup. That's the expectation. So in the second round, when they fell behind the Blue Jackets, cool, whatever. You have to find a way to win this series. You're the better team. You're the best team remaining. You're not injured enough that if you lose – People will say, oh, well, this happened or this happened. Even now, I don't think that, I think it's lost on people that there is very little reason for the Bruins to not win the Stanley Cup.
0: Yeah. And I also feel like, and, and people are poo pooing it, but it hasn't exactly been the toughest road. I mean, the toughest road oh no. is beliefs, right? Uh, Am I just the one who makes uh, it thinking you think me, this? Maybe you're the only one here, that, the, but you're the
1: only one in this conversation that does. I'll put it that way. Um, <laughs> I think the Blue Jackets were the toughest opponent they had prior to the Blues, but even the Blues, and the Blues have obviously been playing very good hockey for a long time, the Bruins not having won yet is as much a product of them underachieving as it is the Blues being a worthy opponent. Like The the Blues should be happy, satisfied, whatever, with the way they've played so far, But it shouldn't be lost on anybody that if the Bruins got any sort of mediocre play from their top six, the series would be over by now. So if the Bruins play to their strengths and play as well as they can, which going into a Game 7, the cliche is that teams give as much as they possibly can, and I'm writing a column about this right now, the Bruins just have more to give. So the Bruins should win this game.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's funny. I think going into Game 6... That was the Blues chance to take it. You have 40,000 fans outside. NBC couldn't tell us enough that there were Blues fans outside. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you, you, you're at Enterprise Center. You have this incredible opportunity in front of you to win it on home ice, to win it for the first time ever there. And then you just absolutely lay, but, but for the first two periods, I mean, I'm not trying to analyze and break down the game here, but the first two periods really could have went either way. And to segue into my next point, the reason the Bruins won that game in game six, and I, Pitched this to you remember Scott McLaughlin from EEI, Pitched this to him oh, in yeah. the game, and and he's like, well, it's five to one, the five one, uh, you know, five one to final. How can this be the case? But Tuka Rask is the reason the Bruins won Game Six. I am sorry.
1: Oh uh, yeah, absolutely. This this wasn't, and I, I'm gonna give credit to uh, my my dad here, Mike Felger, very pleasantly surprised that today he his big take is that wasn't a five to one game. That was a two to one game that your goalie stole, and. Uh, I can never quite tell what he's getting at when he starts to say like measured normal things about Tuca. I don't know what his end game is. I don't know if he's just trying to set up the, okay, so he proved he could do it in game six. Why didn't he in game seven? Something like that down the road. But, uh, I would agree far more with, uh, with Mike than I would with Scott there. Sure, the score ended up being five to one. And in some respects, you at least get to say, um, this was a game in which Jordan Binnington, uh again, to keep quoting the story I'm writing right now, this is a game in which Jordan Bennington kind of finally paid for having yet another so-so game. This was a close game the entire way. So, yes, you scored five goals. Yes, you should once again feel their goalie stinks. But that was a, I mean, hell, that, it was one nothing halfway through the game. And you are a very lucky bounce. Everyone's... Going nuts about, uh, Tuca and Charlie McAvoy on that play. That was more luck than it was Tuca. That was more luck than it was Charlie McAvoy. You are a one lucky bounce away from that game being tied going into the second half of that game where they just got a goal out of a call that you didn't get the previous game because that was the, the Marshan trip and you've now seated the lead despite Probably playing better than the other team at that point. Things very much could have gone south, so that was again much, much, much closer than a five-to-one game.
0: That was exactly what Felger said. He said that if, if people would be losing their minds here in Boston uh, with the the Marchand trip and the non-call with Bozak, but what it's funny. I look at Game Six with the way Rask played and. Like, I don't know, I, you know, it's funny, we with the two goals in 18 seconds, or 17 seconds thing in 2013, that was in Game 6 of the Cup Final, that was on the verge of forcing a Game 7. I feel like in some way, even though they haven't won the Cup yet, Rask has sort of, even his biggest doubters and his biggest haters kind of have to move away from the 2013 argument, because last night I felt like he sort of got rid of that in some way, because he won a Game 6, down 3-2, in and away barn. On the verge of game seven. Would you agree with that or would you just Well with
1: that? I'm gonna be a pain in the ass here, um because and I and I know that I uh, basically the the last however many years of my career have just been yelling at people, correcting them about just incorrect things that uh people have said about Rask. But I'm not going to let people have the 2013 argument. There is no 2013 argument. Tukarask was your best player that postseason. He was I mean, Patrick Kane was really, really good, but I mean, if you win that series, it's that he's getting Con Smythe, and he finished with either 938, 939, 940 somewhere in their state percentage. Neither of the last two goals were his fault. So you can say, "Oh well, they didn't win, and he was the goalie. But the the idea that we've had, and I made a, a video for the, on this on NBC Sports Boston that this was he great. like melted down or anything, is just incorrect. And there's this game of telephone where whether it's Felger, Tony, whomever, uh, in their opinion, that was Rask's fault, and they say it, and then people hear it and they're like, oh right, it was Rask's fault. They don't remember what either of the goals were. They don't remember how Rask played that postseason, and they're just like, okay, yeah, well, now Rask has this reputation of not being able to close out games or being bad in the playoffs when just all, all you need is just a little refresher. Either go back and watch the goals, go look up the numbers. It's it's pretty simple, but instead we've kind of gotten into this game of telephone where Rask has the, the reputation from 2013. Well, it's like, well, whose fault is that?
0: With the Bruce Cassidy thing, uh, Bruce Cassidy was once again proven right in Game 6. Carson Coleman comes in, of course, scores a goal with David Backus out. Is what is with Bruce Cassidy? I swear this guy just presses every button correctly. Am I right or am I wrong? Because I think I, I'm right.
1: I think you're wrong. Um, I don't think that he that his line matching was very good in the first round. I think everybody was everybody at the end. Uh, They're like, oh, Mike Babcock lost again. Blah blah. Like, oh, is he the right coach for this job or whatever? like, man, he had a much worse team. Not much worse, but he had a worse team. And he almost got out of that series. I think that, that Cassidy, at some points this postseason, has has looked human. I'll tell you, though, he's got hutzpah for putting uh, Carson Kuhlman in. Uh, obviously, in hindsight, we all love the move. But, I mean, I, I like the idea of getting a little faster. But I was like, is, is this going to save your season? Is this what it's going to be? But... You didn't need Carson Kuhlman to save your series. You needed David Krejci, you needed Brad Marchand, and David Pastrnak to save your 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 season, and all those guys had better games. Patrice Bergeron still, I mean, he Patrice Bergeron had a good game, but still, I, I I need to see him do something more five on five. Like it's so dumb, but I literally need to see him score a goal five on five before I feel that he's he's totally back.
0: Need to get need need to get him on the score sheet, 100%. Um, but the funny thing is, like when I first saw the Carson Coleman move, I was like, wait a second. The Blues are a physical team. You know, do you need that on the second line? Do you need the guy like David Backus? So we even talk, you know, maybe move him to the first line, get the first line going to sort of, you know, be the physical presence there. But the speed aspect just really worked with the forecheck. I mean, Carson Coleman was getting in there, and he wasn't like what David Backus sometimes does is, he's late to to the to the the puck. And he just has a hit. He him. can throw a hit. Yeah. Yeah. Coleman actually was getting in there fast enough to make, to, to pin the defenseman with the puck instead of back as he just hits him. So I was really, I don't know. I, I love the move. I think Cassidy probably sticks with it in game seven, I would
1: think. Oh, definitely. And, uh, I mean, going back to the, uh, the, the false narrative thing, there's been a lot of talk about the penalties that the Blues are taking. But in the beginning of that series, it was a bunch of stick penalties, often in the offensive zone where they're getting out-skated, and they've got to do something to try to slow the uh, the Bruins down. So resp- you don't necessarily respond to that with, okay, we're going to hit them hard. Just keep skating. Do what you can to continue to establish yourself as the faster team, and they're going to keep taking penalties. That didn't bear out last night, but you were certainly the faster team, and you ended up scoring goals as a result.
0: Yeah, you mentioned the penalties. Uh, you just had a piece that ran in NBC, on NBCSportsBoston.com where you kind of argued that maybe Braden Shen, should, you know, if this wasn't Game 7, might get suspended for that hit on Joakim Nordstrom. And when it first happened, my first thought was he should get suspended for that. I mean, you know, we can sit here and say it's hockey all day we want, and it's Game 7, 100%, you know, let the best players play, fine. But I'm with you. If that was Game 6 or, or a regular season game, you got a guy like – I mean – he clearly saw his numbers and he just rammed him into the glass i mean I'm totally with you like i, I yeah it.
1: i I didn't think that there was any chance he was even going to get a hearing or anything like that because as you said it's game seven um there wa nordstrom would need would have needed to be injured for there to even be uh, a question of that. But, I mean, we spent, people spent a lot of time around here talking themselves into thinking Oscar Sundquist's hit on Matt Grislyk was the worst thing they'd seen in their lives. And I'm sorry, it was a terrible outcome. He didn't see his numbers the whole way. Matt Grislyk tried to kind of fake him out, and as a result, put himself in a tough spot. And the, it wasn't all Matt Grislyk's fault, but there was more of a two sides to the story type of thing on uh, Sundquist's hit. This. Was way more open and shut case of he saw his numbers the entire way hit him anyway. It helps Shen that it wasn't uh, it, it wasn't a, a guy um, dumping a puck in and going and smashing a defenseman into the end boards uh, because there's less speed as a result. So that the hit ends up looking less uh, less threatening, less menacing, whatever. But I mean, that, that was just as illegal a hit, I think, I think quite a bit more than Sunquist's.
0: Thank God uh, Joakim Nordstrom did not try to embellish that. There was so much embellishment on both sides last night, I feel like. And there has been this whole series. It's Absolutely. so annoying. Just play hockey. I mean, there were a few times last night. Look, I'll be honest. I didn't give it and put it on Twitter because I didn't want to get the backlash. It's okay. I can admit it. But there were times <laughs> when Krug's embellishing stuff. I, there was a play behind the I, for, I think it was behind the Bruins net where he got hit. and He just went flying. I mean. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh,
1: I I forget who came in uh, gave him a little jab and he went right down. Um,
0: yeah, it's like come on, like it's the cup. Like I know they're not. Call- I mean, the the refereeing has been ass. It was terrible in Game Five, but come on. I well, mean, this well, yeah, it's damn. a chicken egg
1: situation. It's a chicken egg situation. The officiating's been so bad that I bet players think like. We have to go down in order for officials to consider that something happened because they're missing such blatant stuff. As far as embellishing goes, I've always been, like, I've never been super offended by embellishing, and everyone used to freak out the Canadians would do it, and it's like, okay, well, the Bruins do it too, and every team does it. So I think people are finally starting to come around and realize that every team does it, but you're right. I mean, it's been above and beyond this round
0: yeah no it's every night there's at least like five instances and there was a chance there was a thing um Sunquist was crossing the blue line to go past Chara and Chara just kind of nudged him with his stick in the midsection and Sunquist went down like a sniper at the back of the balcony just took a <laughs> shot out of I mean it's cr- I mean I don't know look maybe it's because I was a hockey player and like I hated when kids flopped but like it's such bullcrap I-, I really I I really, really don't like that. But before we get back into Bruins, I want to tell you about my good friends over at BetOnline.ag. They're more than just some online betting platform. They don't flop either. They're pretty good guys over there. Uh, there's a lot of them out there, but none are quite like BetOnline.ag. Their approach is focused on the player, and they've built their incredible reputation on offering you, the clients, nothing but the best, from cutting-edge technology to enticing promotions and the latest sports betting odds. They have it all. They're famous for their sports book, where there are live lines on all major sporting events Across all the major sports, including the NHL, their live betting feature allows you to bet on your favorites quick and easy in real time. It's a lot of fun. I recommend it a lot. Um, If you'd like to bet on the Stanley Cup games or any of your other favorite sports, use my personal promo code CLNS50 at clnsmedia.com backslash NHL Bruins, to get 50% cash back on your first deposit. Again, that's promo code CLNS50 at clnsmedia.com, backslash NHL Bruins. If you guys would like to keep this podcast free, which I imagine and hope you would, DJ Bean loves listening to this podcast, you won't have to make him pay for it, go there and take advantage of this great opportunity. That's betonline.ag. All right, so um, let's before we kind of dive right into Bruins again, I want to give a little moment of silence for the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. Di- uh, the The thing that got out uh, on Sunday, was it? The fake cover or the mock cover? I mean, look, team, you know, obviously newspapers don't just come up with these things on the fly. They pre plan them. But to have that get out and go on Twitter, I think the guy's private now. Because I tried to look back at it. It's private. I,
1: uh, I gotta say. I had no reaction to that. You just said it right there. All those things are already made. So when people see that, and so people see it, they're like, now I understand that the, all these things are already made, but I can't believe I can see it right now. And it's like, okay, well, what you, would what'd you think? Like, do you think that it existed or it didn't? So <laughs> it's, a, it's a stupid thing that happened on the internet, and everything turns into a stupid thing that happened on the internet. But, again, like, the, the idea of Bruins fans are like, oh, yeah, I bet you feel really dumb for making that now. Like, no. Your owner made one. You you have one right now. Jeremy Jacobs has his written out right now. Absolutely, it is ready to go.
0: The parade route, are- the parade
1: route is planned in both cities. All of these things are already done. The, the I, I don't understand the uh, the like. Oh yeah, you guys got burned because you 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 were too cocky. No no, you were pragmatic. That's all.
0: No, but don't you also think, though, like – I can't, maybe I'm wrong, but I can't remember a time when Boston, like the Globe, as much as I like to make fun of them, has let out – I mean, aside from the 28-3 to 3 Falcons one where they have the the Patriots losing, I can't think of a time when a newspaper around here has let that go early. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong because I'm young. But I haven't remembered a time when that happens. I think that's a rookie mistake on say, Yeah, World. but I don't
1: – yeah, I, I don't know – I mean, do we know how that got out? Was it a um
0: I heard it was they gave it to like advertisers and someone leaked it? I could be totally wrong. Oh
1: yeah, it did definitely do with advertising, huh? Yeah, but that's again, so, so funny, it, it existed. Right? It it existed and we happened to see it, but all those things again, the Bruins have ten million of them. And they know the order that their names are gonna go on the cup. Oh, it's alphabetical, so I guess <laughs> uh, but you know what I'm saying. Like, like they know whose name's going on, whose isn't. They have everything already. Every, every It's somebody's job to have all this stuff planned. And, yes, both teams have done it.
0: And someone tweeted uh, yesterday, they were like, uh, you know, the Blues rented out the top floor at a bar in St. Yeah, Louis. No People like, oh, my God. Like, I can't believe they would rent out a bar. Like, duh, you don't, they don't just win the game and go, all right, where are we going to go now? Like, everything's planned. I'm 20 and I know this. I just,
1: right. I know, I'll tell you this. I know of teams that in elimination games, when they could be eliminated, have had areas like set aside for them in case they lost, of like, this is where we're going to go commiserate. That's not the players saying, hey, let's get ready to lose and go out there. But somebody's job, because there's a million pe- uh, people who work for all of these people, it's somebody's job to have everything ready. So when they lose, hey, this play, we, we got this place set aside for you if you want to go there, have a couple drinks, blow off steam, whatever. Conversely, hey, if you win, this is where the fucking party is. Sorry if I if you're not allowed to swear, my bad.
0: No, I don't care. I don't care about okay. that. I just think it's so funny that um, people... That's Twitter. Twitter's Twitter. People like to get outrageous stuff um all right let's look big picture here legacy talk we're heading into game seven obviously the cup has not been decided yet as we record this and it won't be when it drops because it's dropping uh, on tuesday morning lucky you guys dj you better retweet um hell yeah of course Um, i said i don't have twitter yeah well (laughs) yeah well well, it's true you don't but you'll get one for the podcast i know yes you're missing out on some real fun um isn't it like five percent of the population is on Twitter, but it makes up like ninety percent of the conversation or something? Oh, that stuff.
1: sounds so correct. That sounds so correct. That's why people, that's why people who who use Twitter a lot and like they get the idea when something happens, like oh man, like wait until, t- until the internet finds out about this. It's like that's it's not real. Promise you, it's yeah. not real.
0: There are times where all like get all like a viral tweet, and be like oh, that went so viral, and like I'll like show. Then you have like, to I tell the people
1: in your life about it because they're actual people.
0: They have real jobs and real right. lives and stuff, um, and they talk to people in person, unlike us. Um, mm-hmm. But legacy talk. If the Bruins lose Game 7 and the Bruins lose the Cup, they lose 4-3, let's say it happens. Does that hurt the legacy of one Patrice Bergeron, Brad Marchand, Jazane O'Chara, and two Rask? Does that hurt them at all?
1: It hurts everybody involved, legacy. Not... Zanano Chara, you can't really. Zanano Chara gets the, he played through a broken jaw kind of pass. And there will be little, there will be the caveats of like, oh, well, it wasn't Tuca's fault and et cetera, et cetera. But this team should win the Stanley Cup. And if they don't, it's a failure. It's whatever word you want to use. They are supposed to win this game. They were supposed to win this series. They are the better team. When they play to their strengths, which they haven't always done, So again, if they lose this game, it's no different than in game, let me think of an example. I mean, game, game five, where your guys just didn't show up. Game two, you're playing with 5D the whole time. That's gonna, that's gonna catch up with you. Game four, you're playing with 5D the whole time. That's gonna catch up with you. Game five, like, where, where is your top six? A lot of points in this postseason. Where is your top six? It went from, hey, the Bruins, are winning this series after three games despite their top six not showing up. Once it does, the Bruins are going to run away with the series to, oh, man, the Bruins are going to lose this series to a lesser team because their star players aren't playing like stars. Now you're coming off a game six in which Tuco was as good as he's been uh, the entire postseason. Your top six started to slowly show up. Again, Bergeron didn't score or anything like that, but I thought he had a good game. Uh, Marshawn Posternak, much better performances. David Krejci, night and day performance. This one versus, uh, say, say game four. So uh, you have everything going for you and you are the better team. So yes, it's going to, it's going to be, we're, we're not going to be doing the whole, like, what a fun ride it was. Sort of thing, or at least I'm not going to be honest. These guys failed. So, yes, yeah. to your question, it would be, it would be, it would hurt
0: the legacy. See, I think it's sort of like the Patriots when they lost the Eagles in the Super Bowl two years ago, where it's like you had a pretty easy ride to the Super Bowl. You face a backup quarterback, a team that you should beat nine times out of ten, maybe even ten times out of ten, hmm. and you go in there and you just absolutely lay an egg on defense. Right. And That's a good like, analogy. We forget about it because the Patriots win so much around it. Like, we don't focus on – we focus on the Seahawks Super Bowl and the Falcons one. They've done so many other big things. But for the, this Bruins team, for this Bruins group, they haven't. They've, went to, they've been to two cups before. The Blackhawks were the better team in 13. You know, they, they had the – they were the underdog in 2011 and they won. Yippee. But if they mm. lose this, they should have beat the Blues. And you right. can even, you shouldn't even go to game seven. But I, I, I think the Blues are a legit team, so fine. But still, I look at it and I think – there's not enough around it to, to to hide the fact that okay you did one out of three and you right. lost to the Blues when they really weren't the better team.
1: Right. You you'll you'll have had uh beat a team that was probably that that for all intents and purposes was better than you but was banged up and absolutely lost its mind as the series went on. Um, you legitimately outwilled that team and then. You get beaten in six by a a drastically better team, and then you lose to a worse team. I don't think that sounds like that. That sounds great, and I know there is a Stanley Cup victory sprinkled in there. But you look at that, and again, you say, okay, you pulled an upset, lost to a way better team, and then got upset. That's that doesn't speak of like warriors, you know? Yeah.
0: No, it doesn't. It's so funny um, you say that. Now, I feel like if you said that to most people on the beat, they'd be like, oh, my God, what are you talking about? It's like well, it, it is, I mean, right. If, 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 if That is correct, and that should not be lost. But that's also
1: why I was so upset when the Patriots lost to the Eagles, to to stay on that, of, like, the value of a championship is so, so strong. So if a team wins one, that is absolutely unbelievable and that deserves to be celebrated forever. That team should be celebrated for the rest of time. But conversely, when you piss one away, which is what the Patriots did against the Eagles, and I would say this would be, this would fall into that category as well to, now, now I've gotten to the point where I'm completely stealing your take. Uh, that okay. would be, that, that is worth lamenting, not celebrating, not saying, hey, uh, we saw this great run and what, what, what a bunch of fun games. Hey, wasn't that sweep against the Hurricanes fun? No, you blew it.
0: Yeah, no, I I look at it and I just think like, uh, you know, sort of off what Felger's always said. He said, you know, the '75 Sox and the '67 Dream Team, you know, Ooh. they're fun stories, but they didn't win. Like they were just they lost. I mean, the like the Carlton Fisk home run is great until you realize, well, the Red Sox didn't win. Yes, that was right. you know, woo, like yippee, yeah. like the Fisk pole, but it's like they didn't win. I mean, it's a bunch of it's it's win Boston with Loserville. Um, mm. so focusing on Game Seven. How do you feel going in? What, are your, what do you think?
1: Um, I think that Steve Conroy raised a great point that, I mean, if, if you want to dwell on the physicality and you want to talk about how physical this series has been, what the hell is it going to look like when the Blues go into a game knowing, A, this is for the Stanley Cup, B, there is no God here. We can't be punished. Yes, we can be penalized. Yes, we can give them power plays. But as far as like the real significant stuff, what
0: are that's you going to suspend
1: me five games for the beginning of next season? Cool, screw. It. I'm trying to win a Stanley Cup here, so this so it could be, it could be a messy game. I think that the Bruins, really for all the emotions of a game seven, and it's going to be a tight one ball. I think they need to look at what they did in game six and say, I know that's normally not the sustainable model of winning. It's not what you think of. You don't think of like. Let's go out there and fly. But that's how the Bruins win this game. They're the more skilled team. I thought that def- all of their defensemen were awesome in game six. I think that that was as balanced and well-rounded a game as they've played. So, yeah, really let it fly offensively. Keep doing what you're doing defensively. Knock on wood, you're going to get the goaltending, probably. Um Again, famous last words, Tuca hasn't had a sub-900 game this entire postseason. Know that you've got that edge. Know that if you're going offensively, you're going to get a couple past Bennington. and I think that you just stick to what you did in Game 6. I think the Bruins score early in Game 7, and I don't know that it's going to be that nail biter in the third period. It probably will be because even no matter what the score is, if it's for the Stanley Cup, anything can happen. But I think that the Bruins are going to score early. I think that the Blues are going to try to hit everything they see, but again, if you're faster, then they can't they can't hit what they can't what they can't catch. So that's that's my prediction. More of the same from the Blues and more of the same from what you saw the Bruins in game six.
0: Bruins are going to play that in their locker room before game 7 to to pump the team up. Great game clinic oh, there. Wonderful. Um, no. Um I think going into game 7 I think the Bruins not just steal your take, but I kind of see the same thing happening. I feel like a tense down to the wire game 7 in the third periods like like on the scoreboard is is kind of hard to come by in some ways. Like it I, I feel like, you know, there's a good chance the game could just be a dud and the Bruins just walk away with it just by being faster. So I don't. Know, that's sort of my take. I had Bruins in seven all the way. So I'm kind of feeling good wow. about myself. Like I'm good at predictions now. I, I'm I'm proven. I got every <laughs> single prediction wrong in the first round except for the Bruins beating the Maple Leafs. But now look at me now. So you know what? I would I would argue a lot of people did. I I was gonna do one of those
1: brackets, but then you had to sign up for something, so I just didn't do it.
0: Yeah, no, it's, it takes too long and it's annoying. And, and us millennials, we don't, uh, we don't, we don't partake in those things. Right, we yeah. We put it on Twitter and we just look back to it later if we're right and we don't touch it if we're wrong. So that's Amen. how it works. Amen to that. Alright, DJ, thank you so much. Thank you for joining. Go listen to the DJ on brunch with Pete Blackburn, who's been a guest on this show two weeks ago. Nice. Um I know, right? Look at this. And then, yeah. uh, and then you, we, you can also read DJ on NBCSportsBoston.com. You can watch him. He does fun videos. on NBC Sports,
1: Sports Boston, 9 to 11. Uh, Boston Sports Tonight. It's the greatest show in the world. Michael Hawley, Daniel Trotta, Tom Giles, and this idiot. What more could you possibly want?
0: Oh, it's, it's must-be TV every single night.
1: Hell yeah. Uh, and okay. Game 7, I don't know what we'll be doing, but um, we have been doing – uh really fun intermission blocks we did um where you tune over that uh, uh, turn over to NBC Sports Boston during the intermission and it'll be me Tom Holly uh we've had Megan Duggan at points who is awesome ridiculous that we get to to work with her um yeah tune tune into that I don't know we'll, we'll probably be doing something special for Wednesday we don't know what that is but yeah that's my my firm sales pitch I
0: love it. I can't. I won't be able to tune over because I'll be at the game. Thank God. Hell but yeah. will you be at the game? You won't be at the game. I take it. I don't know.
1: There, I'll. I'll probably be. I'll be in some studio. I don't know where though. Yeah.
0: Well, I. I'm telling everyone to tune over in the intermissions. It's better than the intermissions that they have on NBC on NBC Sports where they interview you know the know office. What? So I'm. I'm biased
1: uh, because that's the NBC family. People complaining that they interviewed jenna fisher i would love to ask them so what did they talk about last game during intermission what did they talk about what, what did you like about what they did then not to say that nobody watches or pays attention but the people that are complaining about the jenna fisher interview are probably the same people that are going to the bathroom during that so you it, it's going like
0: down of the bruins penalty kill you're telling so, me you didn't like that no, I I do I do, but I'm saying the
1: people. What I'm saying is that you were getting complaints not from hockey fans. You were getting complaints from casual observers. And Alex Reimer, you would have. I don't know what you would have done with uh with like hard analysis. I don't know that. I don't know that I've ever seen uh, the people that were complaining about the Jenna Fisher interview say like, oh, cool, good stuff from Patrick Sharp there. Again, you're getting that from me. Because I think Patrick Sharp is awesome, and I, I love that intermission show. But, again, the people that are complaining are the people that typically don't even watch it. So
0: I, I think those intermission spots are, are tough to even fill up. Because it's like, you, you can break down the game, but you know people are kind of at the bathroom. You know, it's I, I don't know. I just feel like it's... I'm glad they did the office stuff. Yeah. But, I mean, I liked it. I've watched... I'm not a diehard office fan, but it's... I mean... It, to me, it was better than like having, as I said, like you know, um, like Mike Milbury come on and like you know give his take on the first period or keep well, you
1: Well, Woo! you've seen those things, bef- you've seen those things before, and they can do that. And I think that also throwing in Jenna Fisher there, I don't know. I was very tense and nervous watching that game. I, I kind of liked the thing out of from out of left field to be like, okay, now here's Jenna Fisher. Also. Hockey's the most difficult sport uh, to provide analysis for on TV because unless you're like an Andy Brickley who's really good uh, at at this, uh, Bob Beer is the same way, which is being technical in a way that viewers can understand because everybody's intimidated by hockey. When they hear people talk X's and O's, they just turn their brains off and they're like, oh, well, I don't know what that means, so uh, I'm not going to understand it. Andy Brickley does it in a way where... He's probably where if he were talking to another ex player, he'd probably say it differently and be a lot more technical and to the point. But he can convey it in a way that I don't know, like uh a, a random person who who hasn't played a lot of hockey will understand. So I, I think that's why a lot of times I, I again I think that's why like the casual observer probably isn't even paying attention to uh to the to the real analysis. So I don't understand why they're complaining about Jenna Fisher. Jenna Fisher, by the way, seems like the coolest person in the world. I wasn't the hugest. I parent. like her. Her character like got her. a lot worse, but she
0: just seems like a fun mom, and um, uh, I love it. Yeah, no, I like her. Um, but some people just care about the Jimmys and the Joes, the Xs and the Os. But I, totally. again, I like the office. I like the office thing. You can poke. Fun, I I poke fun at it, but in reality, I do like it, and I'm not cowering to the NBC boy in front of me. But it's I I just <laughs> like it. Hell yeah. Um, but anyway, yes, go to the intermission uh, to see DJ and DJ and company do what they gotta do on NBC Sports Boston uh, for CLS Media. I'm Evan Marinowski. Enjoy Game Seven and have a good week.